Hello, friends. Uh, I'm so glad to be with you here today. My name is Jordan Varghese. Uh, Chris, thank you again uh, for allowing me the chance and the space to be able to share with you out of the Word of God. Uh, as Chris mentioned, my name is Jordan Varghese. Uh, I work with Hope Church NYC, pastoring as a teaching pastor at Hope East Village uh, in Manhattan, in Lower Manhattan. And uh, again, I'm just so glad to be able to share this word from, f for you and to you from the book of James. So why don't we just jump right into it? Uh, you know, in the community uh, I come from, we have this practice of when we read the word of God, we actually stand. So can I invite you actually to stand if you are able for the reading of God's word? Uh, if we have that slide, yeah, let's get it up there. Great. So our scripture reading for today comes from the book of James, chapter 1, verses 19 to 27. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceived themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The word of the Lord. Hmm. You can be seated. Yeah. Let us, uh, let's pray as we enter our scriptures today. God, today, uh, my personal longing and my longing for this beautiful community I'm in is that we would be lost in your word, that as we hear your scripture, as we hear this beautiful word of God given to us as a beautiful and perfect gift, that each of us would decrease so that you could increase. Lord, lose me in this scripture so that your word would shine through. God, what is true is that a single word from you is better than a thousand sermons. So God, would your word reign true in this space? Would the scripture reign almighty and central as we hear this text and what it has to say to us today? In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's jump into it. Hey, uh, you know the reason why I am so excited to be in the book of James uh, reading from this scripture and learning from it is because of this. Uh, I don't know if you, I have a sibling. I have an older brother named Jonathan, uh, and there's something crazy to me about the way that James, the author of this book, starts this entire letter. He says, uh, he says from James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what you need to know about James is that he is the brother of Jesus. 
the brother of Jesus starts off this letter about this person named Jesus saying, I am a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now imagine your sibling. If you have a sibling, imagine them. I don't think any of us would want to describe ourselves as a servant of our sibling and equate our sibling to God. But there's something so compelling. I actually find James one of the most compelling scriptures in the Bible because this is the person that grew up with Jesus, that saw him as a child, that saw him in a family. And yet the thing he says about Jesus, his own sibling, is that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not just my brother. He's not just my family member. He's not just a good teacher, but he is actually God in the flesh. So if Jesus's brother, imagine you saying that about your sibling. There's something that we need to pay attention to because that's James' testimony about who Jesus is. And this is what the book of James is going to be about. It's about this revelation of who Jesus is and what he calls us to. And that James, like, I have a hard time listening to my older brother. He's older. I should listen to him. And yet James, somehow by being transformed by the presence of God, by the presence of Jesus, says, I want to listen to every word that Jesus says. Not only do I want to listen to it, I want to do it. And he invites us to do the same. So let's, let's look at what this scripture has for us. Uh, the book, that this, uh, this scripture that we read starts with verse 19, where it says this, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Why? Because human anger, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. See, this is the first thing that this scripture wants us to know, that to experience all of the life with God that he desires for us, there's actually something that we need to let go of. We need to let go of our way of communicating our way of responding to the everyday offenses, pains, and hurt that we experience in relationships, in community, and in the world around us. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I am already having a hard time doing the word that, that James is inviting us to. This is the type of life God calls us to, to drop our offendability, to drop the ways that uh, we want to respond to the ways that we've been hurt by hurting and lashing out, and instead inviting us into this new life with God, one that is quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. It, it goes on to say in verse 21, therefore get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. I think there's something really beautiful about what James has experienced, because he's seen the person of Jesus, and he's seen himself. He's seen himself. He's seen himself. He's seen the ways that he is quick to respond, the ways that he is quick to give a quip or a response or a word to defend himself or to make an accusation. He's seen the ways that his anger 
has gotten out of control. And yet, when he sees Jesus, his brother, his friend, his Lord, his Savior, he sees someone that is quick to, li quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This is what James is going to be all about. It's this way of becoming lost in the person of Jesus. That we actually drop all of the behaviors, the attitudes, the responses that are natural to us. And by the grace of God, by the Spirit of God living in us, we put on the person of Jesus. We get lost in the Savior. It's, it's, how, uh, it's how Paul writes it, right? It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. This is how James invites us. Humbly accept the word that is planted in you, which can save you. In John 15, Jesus says this amazingly beautiful things to his disciples. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. We do not become this person that James invites us to. We do not become this person by the power of our will, by the power of our fortitude and grit and determination, our New York City hustle. But instead, we become it because of the word of God spoken to us through Jesus, through the Spirit. It's a grace, it's a gift given by God. We humbly accept it. This is what it goes on to say in the next verse. It's one of my favorite illustrations. James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. This book of James is a call to action, a call to practice what we preach, a call to actually do the things that it says. I think this week, my personal challenge that I am trying to practice is I want to find a, multiple conversations where I can practice exactly what I just heard, where I can be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I'm a New York City person. I take the subway every day. I take the subway every day. If you have to take the subway every day, but being slow to become angry is maybe the hardest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's maybe an incredible, it's an incredibly difficult thing, but this is the practice that God, that God invites us to, is this new way of being that is lost in the person of Jesus, that, that our attitudes, our practices, the way that we are used to functioning and living in this world that we have thought might work for us, that we actually kind of humbly realize that my life doesn't work. Can we actually go to the previous slide? Something that I think is so important. Uh, if, if we go to the previous slide in verse 19, the reality is rage, anger, rage, anger that is coming from a place of kind of personal, just needing to punch back when we've been punched. It doesn't work. It, it doesn't work. I, I think that's something that's, that we need to understand is that these sacrifices that Jesus is inviting us to, Jesus will never ask you to give up something that is not already killing you, that is not already robbing you of the life, the joy, the grace, the goodness that God has for you. So when he invites us to put away these things, it's so that we can experience the fullness of all that God has for us as a free gift. As a free gift. 
anger, human anger, that is self-centered and selfish. There are times when anger isn't that. It's anger for the communities that are being hurt around us. It is anger for, it is the righteous anger of God when God's people, people made in the image God, of God are not treated right. But that human anger that is selfish, that is self-centered, that is self-interested, it just, it doesn't work. There's actually this, uh, this moment a couple months ago where uh, me and my wife Emily, uh, you know, I, I've been married to Emily for three years now. Uh, we, we lead and serve uh, at Hope East Village together, and it's been an incredible journey. We've been doing it for about a year now. But there was this moment when we were just at kind of our wit's end. We were stressed and tired. There was a lot of things going on. Uh, I'm Indian. Uh, my wife is Chinese. We both come from pretty large families. Uh, both of our families are here in New York. In New York. Uh, my family's dispersed in the Bronx and Queens and Long Island. Emily's family is in Queens and like Manhattan. So like we have a lot of people just around. There's a lot of things going on, just all the time when you have uh, that much family in one place. And I just remember being so stressed and tired by all the different balls that were in the air, all the different responsibilities that were falling. And there was this moment where we had to wake up really early to take care of an errand. And there was just this minor comment that my wife made that wasn't disrespectful, wasn't mean, but it was this moment where I was not quick to listen, I was not slow to speak, and I was not slow to become angry. And I just, I snapped. I was like, I, I just remember like yelling at her. I was like, I can't believe you're like this. I can't believe you're so selfish and angry. I was just, I was the one who lost control in that moment. And I called her selfish, I called her self-centered. And I just remember looking at the, the look in her face of pain, of betrayal, of sadness, as the man that she was married to, called to love her as Christ loves the church, would say the, these things to her. And it was this moment where I had to come to grips with this truth that the way, my way of doing things, my anger, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. And it was this moment of repentance and humbling that I, I got to give up my way. I got to give up my approach. And it, 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 there's, some, there's something beautiful about the life with God that he has for me that I was missing out on if I kept my guns, if I kept my guard up, if I kept all of these defenses that I think were for me. There's a new way of doing it. Let's go look at that next slide. It's why I love this analogy. See, Jesus, this is what James says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. See, this is what's happening in the word of God, right? Every part of scripture, every word from God perfectly reveals Jesus. So whenever we are reading the scriptures, whenever we are hearing the word of God, we are looking at the perfect revelation of Jesus. So, so the invitation of doing, of listening, and, and practicing the word of God is actually to become the person of Jesus. 
to, to let go of the clothing that we have and to be clothed in Christ. So whenever we listen to the word of God and are face to face with this person of Jesus, and when we don't do what it says, we have forgotten the greater calling on our lives, brothers and sisters, that we are called to die so that Christ may live in us. That moment when I snapped at my wife was this moment where I forgot what I looked like. It is not Jordan who is supposed to be living. It is Jesus. It is the person of Jesus. And my invitation for you, friends, is to enter into this life. Enter into the person of Jesus. It is the best life to build your whole self around, to become lost in the love, the grace, the freedom of Jesus. Whoever looks into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, they will be blessed in all they do. My invitation is to be lost in that person, in that beautiful revelation of God, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our friend, our brother. This is how the passage ends. It's actually one of my, uh, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, if we look at the next slide, it says this, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their, religious, their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Something I love about this invitation of losing, of taking away the things that have maybe defined us in the past and instead saying yes to the things that Jesus invites us to, is I actually really believe that it's a life worth living. That it's actually the only life worth living is a life built on the rock of Jesus on the rock of his grace, his mercy, and his forgiveness, of becoming lost in that mercy and, and being kind of this, this like central hub point by which other people can experience that mercy. See, I think the book of James, this, this passage can be summarized in this idea of the type of life that God is inviting us to. If we look at that next slide, it's this transformed inner life. This transformed inner life where we rid ourselves of the pollution of the world. We rid ourselves of whatever might take us away from the life with God that he has for us. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't just end with a personal transformation. It goes out into the world. A transforming outer life. Facing others caring for widows and orphans, our families, our neighbors. There's something so beautiful about this type of life that we see Jesus live, where he was holy. He was holy. He was separate. He did not allow the idols of his world to define him. But that, that didn't keep him from being a loving, incarnational, face-to-face -face neighbor with the people around him. He was fully holy and fully loving. And this is the transformation that we have to offer. 
if we allow God into our lives, if we allow the gospel to be the one thing that defines us, nothing else. This is a vision of life that I desperately need. The, the truth is, my way of doing things doesn't work. It doesn't work. I might, uh, maybe if I do things my way, I might get more money, I might get some friends, I might get some praise from other people. I think at the end of the day, I'll still feel empty, alone, and angry and hateful towards the people in my life, and honestly towards myself. I've, just, I've experienced, it just doesn't work. And I don't know if you've experienced that. That, that moment when you're faced with your life and you're, I don't know, come to that point where it's not working. It just, it isn't, it isn't all the glitz and glamour you'd hope for. It isn't working as you expect it. But this vision of life that Jesus has to offer, of fully receiving his grace, of fully living into this gospel, of being both holy as we receive his mercy and forgiveness, and being loving as we are called to be sent out into the world as, as people's real experience of mercy and goodness. I think this is a vision of life worth living. And it's, it's, it's my invitation for you. I, I desperately desire for each of us to experience this day in and day out. I'm not going to pretend like this is something we can do by our own power. It's not. It's impossible. But by the Spirit of God, by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, given as a free gift, each of us, each of us are empowered to live this kind of life. I want to bring us to a place of closing as we pray and consider what God has spoken and said in his word. I think the Holy Spirit really does empower us to live this way. Doesn't mean we'll be perfect. Doesn't mean we'll get it right. But in humility, in repentance, and in rest of the, what Jesus has done, by depending on what Jesus has done, I think we can actually have this kind of life that God calls us to. One that is, is of deep personal transformation, but is also transforming in the world around us. That people, by, our, by, by experiencing our presence, can actually experience the presence of Jesus. Because we, we've admitted our way doesn't work, but Jesus' way does.